0: from the ends of the earth. We are called from the dead sinners of our lives. We are called to praise God. We are called to serve the Holy One. God has breathed into us the breath of new life. Let us worship with joy. Be seated. I ask you to join me in prayer, if you would. Heavenly Father, we are very grateful for the beauty of the day, both outside with sunshine and, uh, and within these walls, with hearts that are gathered to worship you. Father, that is our purpose this morning, and may you receive all glory and honor and praise. Let's take a moment in silent prayer. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now the prayer of preparation and confession.
1: God of everlasting
0: mercy, hear our prayer today as we bring our lives before you. We come as people who dwell on the past. We want to face your new day with life and hope in our hearts. But many times the events of our lives weigh us down. We forget to forgive one another. We refuse to bury dead issues and worn out memories. Free us. Free us from ourselves so that we may walk in new pathways, live with grace, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. We know God's word to be true, and in his word he promises us that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us for that sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us remember that and let it affect the way we live. Amen. Let's stand and greet those that are around
2: us. Side of the aisles. There's a pew pad in front of you. You can take that, sign yourself in, pass it on down. If you're visiting with us today, special welcome to you. We're glad to have you. You can give us your information, contact information on that pad there as well. A few announcements are listed in your boats in there. Uh, the month of July, we have children joining us in the sanctuary here. There's a group that we just began working with this year called Grateful Gatherings, which help people transition from being homeless to having a place to live. And we're going to be working with them on August 24th. You can sign up to be a part of that. It's a wonderful ministry. Also, City Team, which is the group that we work with in Oakland, they have a a homeless shelter there and a soup kitchen. Uh, they're, They're collecting backpacks for children with school supplies Uh, for kids that need that. If you'd like to be part of that, there's a whole list there of the types of items that are helpful in that. There's an announcement about online giving, that people can pledge online and sign up for uh, deposits as well. And there's an announcement there about the community prayer boxes. One of our long-term members died this week, Ron Cook, and we ask that you would keep his family in your prayers. Uh, We have no notice right now about a memorial service, but Please keep that family in your prayers.
1: And as I've said before, this box here in the front of the sanctuary represents the fact that we do keep one another in prayer. When people put prayer requests into the pews, the offering plates, into the prayer boxes outside, we take them, we put them in this box. In our sanctuary, in our midst, to remind us that we are constantly in prayer for one another and for the needs of our world. So I invite you again, if you have prayer requests, to uh, give them to us, to leave them with us, and we will all be praying for each other. Let's now enter a time of uh, congregational prayer as we pray and lift our concerns and our hopes to God. God of grace and glory, the fact that you've called us today to be here. From wherever we come, wherever we're going, you've called us to be in your presence this morning. It's a it's a gift, your gift of grace to invite us, your gift of hospitality. It's a miracle as well that you have guided us to pay attention to your invitation and to be here today. We thank you for this blessing. Thank you for sharing the light of your glory, that we can glimpse your power and your majesty both outside in the sky and trees and sun, the people that we love, as well as inside, our own hearts, the things that you've given us as individuals, the gifts, the passions that we have to to share and to bring beauty into this world. We thank you that you have created us as part of this splendid creation. Pray that we can see and recognize and pause long enough to catch glimpses of your beauty around us and indeed within us. Thank you for sharing your son that we might know the depth of your love and who Jesus was, who he is for us now, and who he promises to be. God of courage and truth and persistence and passion, it is true that even as we seek to live into our nature as your beloved sons and daughters, we're surrounded by so much fear and mistrust these days. Fearmongers continue to prey on us. They spread untruths and manipulate us to distrust one another, especially those who are different from us. So give us the grace to recognize the reality of our common humanity, and our common interest in loving and listening to one another despite whatever implicit or explicit biases we might have that divide us. Help us to do the hard work of community building and mutual care and show us a better way, a common good that frees us from fear and empowers us to liberate those who are oppressed by forces both within and beyond themselves, especially we pray today for mercy and justice and common sense and peace to prevail as immigration raids take place, perhaps even in our own community. Above all, holy God, keep our brothers and sisters safe, whoever they are, wherever they come from. God of healing and wholeness, we lift up anyone who is in need of your presence today, And in a moment of silence, we pray for those for whom we have special concern. Loving God, we pray for those who have suffered our suffering from the impact of Hurricane Barry on the Gulf Coast and inland. Pray for those who are in need of shelter, those who are worried, those who are caregivers and aid workers. Be with anyone who suffers there and anywhere else in this world today. God of mercy and restoration, we praise you that no storm or force of evil is beyond your ability to calm or to redeem, to make something good out of, whether in the moment or as the moments and time passes, you promise to be with us, to guide us. So grant us the faith and the vision to shape the living of our days, for whether living or dying, we belong to you. And in this light, we say together, we pray together the words our Lord Jesus has taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
2: First scripture lesson today comes from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. You have heard of it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Then from Psalm 139. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand shall lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, let only darkness cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to thee, and night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with thee. And then from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. There were some present at at the very time who told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered thus? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you'll all... Likewise perish. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. May the Lord bless to our hearts and our minds this reading of his word. A long time ago, right after I came here, I was asked by the Men's Bible Study group of guys that meet on Saturday morning to come and to talk to them about the topic of the will of God and how God operates in the world. Actually, I was there to referee an argument that had been going on for quite some time in the Men's Bible Study, and that was, if you're going to an important appointment and you're late, And you pray for God to find you a parking space. And you pull up to where you're supposed to be. And there's a parking space right there. Did God do that or are you just lucky? How many would say God did it? How many say luck? There you go. A lucky group here. Okay. We're off to a good start. We're going to talk about this particular concept of God's management of events in the world. Now, This is the 20-minute version of it, and it's a very complex topic. We're only going to be brushing the the tip of it, but I recommend, I've listed three books in the the worship order here uh, that are available. The first one by John Boykin, fabulous book on this very topic of God's action in the world. Does God control the events, the happenings, and the circumstances of your life? Is God a macro-manager? Or a micromanager down to the parking space level? The answers are important to these questions because they determine how we feel about the operation of God in our lives. and some, Sometimes they determine how we interpret events. There was a lady who joined our church in Miami. She was 70 years old. and She had not been in church since she was a child. And she told me the story of why. When she was seven... Her father died, and some, I'm sure, well meaning minister in her church told her that the Lord had called him home, that God had called her father home to be with him in heaven. And she thought, Well, God's got a lot of people, but I only have one dad. Why did he take mine? She said, And I began to hate God from that day. And it's taken me all my life, she said to come to another understanding of God and how God operates in the world that would allow me to worship him. Bad theology can make a monster out of God and can make people say things uh, that are untrue and are hurtful and actually turn people away from the concept of God in their life. I saw an interview of a man who, Worked in the the Trade Center, the Twin Towers, uh, and it was right after 9 11, and they interviewed this guy. And everybody in his company died. And the only reason that he didn't die was the very morning, Tuesday, September 11th, he had a dentist appointment. He wasn't in his office because he was at the dentist. And so During the interview, he said, I must have a really important thing I'm supposed to accomplish in my life for God to have made it possible for me to not be there that morning and to have saved my life. And I remember thinking, yeah, but what about all the other people that died? Didn't they have anything important to do in their lives? Didn't they have people that loved them, too? It's important for us to understand these sort of things um, because I don't think that God particularly on that morning determined who was going to miss work and who wasn't. It just happened. There's a randomness in the universe. That's how the world operates. Not everything that happens to every one of us is the will of God. And it's important for us to understand that and to be able to say that. The text that we have, that we read from the Sermon on the Mount. The, the Father causes the sun to shine, on the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So you can use that metaphor as good or bad, right? Let, let's say it's a bad rain. Let's say it's the uh, the it's, it's, we're in New Orleans right now, and and it's a, too much rain. It's a flood, but the flood comes to the good people. And the bad people. God doesn't choose which ones, you know, we're going to punish these people over here. You know, we're, we're, No, it just comes. The flood comes on the good and the bad, or as our other text says, the nice and the nasty. Now, um, this is the same kind of question. This question is not new. It's been around for a long time. In fact, it's the very question that Jesus tried to answer in the text that we read from Luke 13. Let me give you the background, because you may not have quite understood what that, that whole section was about. They're asking him this question. They say, those Galileans that were, well, two, two events happened in Jesus' day and time. They were kind of the equivalent of their 9-11. They were two uh, tragedies, sort of mass tragedies. One was that Pilate slaughtered some Galileans who were worshiping God. Just went in there, sent his troops in, and just... Mass murder, slaughtered them. And so the the disciples asked Jesus, were those Galileans like worse than other Galileans? Was that why that happened to them? The other tragedy of the day, in Jesus' day, was that there was a a tower in a town called Siloam. And it fell and it killed 18 people. That was referenced in the the text. He says, those 18 people that were killed in Siloam, were they worse than other people? And what did Jesus say? No, they were not any worse. They just happened to be sitting in the wrong place. It was a circumstance. It was an accident. It's not like it was God punishing a particular group of people. Jesus is saying sometimes bad things happen to good people, and they just happen. So today we're able to look at two truths about God. The first is that God is able to be present with us, but is not able to avoid evil or bad things in our lives. We'll look at the second part first. For only by coming to grips with what God is not able to do can we understand what he is able to do. Only by confronting what kind of God we do not believe in can we embrace the God that we do believe in. For many years, I've been advocating people go back on Netflix and, and look at a really old movie called Oh God. Uh, you have to be really old to remember this movie, but uh, uh, you can just actually get the book by Avery Corman, because the movie itself isn't great, but the dialogue, the writing, has some of the best theology I've ever seen in a movie. God is this little short cigar-smoking guy played by George Burns. He comes to John Denver, who is the produce manager in a grocery store, and appoints him to be his messenger. And and John says, well, wh- wh- what why are you showing up here doing this? And God says, I'm here to clear up my reputation. You should hear some of the things people are saying about me. Earthquakes. Did you know they call them acts of God? Cancer. They're saying it was my will. All these things. I'm here to clear up a bad reputation. And so it makes it clear that there are many things that have, I've said from this pulpit many times that these things, the bad things that occur in the world are not the will of God. A God who intentionally willed those things would be a cruel cosmic sadist. None of us would want any part of worshiping that kind of God. But the God of our heritage, the Judeo-Christian heritage, is not that way. The Bible makes it clear that God only wants good for your life and for my life. His wish for us is to live happy, fulfilled lives. But he is not able to avoid evil. I'm not saying that evil is more powerful than God. It is simply the way that creation has been set up. Here's how it works. Long ago, God made a choice between freedom and uniform goodness. And God chose freedom. It is the fact that human beings are free creatures that causes the presence of evil. God could use his power to make everything good. He could control the world like a puppeteer controls a marionette. But instead, he created us without strings and gave us freedom to make our own choices in this world. And so, we get a choice in this life, and that's what makes it so great. That's what allows some people to be Mother Teresa or Dorothy Day. But it's also what allows some people to be Adolf Hitler. Some people take their freedom and fly airplanes into buildings, or put children into cages at the border. Some people abuse their freedom, and so we have evil in the world. But as C.S. Lewis said, I suppose it's possible to conceive of a world in which God corrected the results of this abuse of free will by his creatures at every moment, so that metal bullets became soft as cotton balls when shot at human beings, And brick walls became doorways when human beings were unfairly held hostage. But that kind of a world would be one in which wrong actions were impossible and which, therefore, there would be no freedom. You have to have... And the reason that God chose freedom is because it's the only way you could have love. You can't force someone to love you. And God's desire was to have human beings who freely chose to love him and be in relationship with him, as opposed to puppets, as opposed to robots. So in that choice of freedom, God allowed many bad things to happen in the world. So people can get behind cars and drive drunk and do horrible things because of the freedom that God has given us in the world. Every maternity ward should have a big poster that says, when you're born, you're taking a big chance. Because you are. There's a lot of things that can happen in this world. And God doesn't step in to save us from them. They happen. In other words, God doesn't get you your job, get your kid into Harvard, remove cellulite from bulbous thighs, return kidnapped kids, or help you pass a test you didn't study for. God allows what happens to happen. Saying, well, don't you believe in miracles? Yes, I do, actually. But miracles are the exception to the norm. That's why they call them miracles, right? They're the exception to the norm. They're not the way God normally operates in the world. The normal one is to allow things and events to occur as they occur in this world. So, we understand that God does not send problems to us, or as it says in the book of James, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. God doesn't cause bad things to happen to people, uh, but he doesn't bail us out either. Jesus never guaranteed that if we follow him, we would be spared the pains and trials of life. We've never been guaranteed happiness. Or material success as an easy or an easy life. The only thing that Jesus guaranteed to those that follow him was persecution, tribulation. That's the only thing he said uh, that you can expect. He said, "Take up your cross and follow me." That's what's going to happen. And when you look at the lives of the people in the in the Bible that followed him, well, just look at Paul. Remember the list where he looked back over his life and he talked about his experiences. He said, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times shipwrecked. Spent a night and a day in open sea. All these bad things happened. All these many, many bad things happened to him. Why? Because he followed Christ. He decided to follow Christ and so those bad things happened to him. Now, contrast to that, that to a gospel song. Uh, somebody's phone is ringing there. <laughs> contrast that to a gospel song by Andre Crouch that says, I've got confidence God is going to see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know he's going to fix it for me. That's baloney. God's not going to fix it for you. God never promised that if you follow me, you're not going to have a problem. You're not going to come into a difficult time, that everything's just going to be fixed and easy and wonderful? You say, well, yeah, well, Bill, but doesn't the Bible say that God uh, is so close to us that the hairs of our head are numbered, and that he knows of each sparrow that falls? Well, the answer is yes. He knows, but they still fall. The sparrows and the hair, some of you can attribute. They do. They do. Doesn't stop it. Doesn't keep it from happening. Jesus' point was not that God will prevent bad things from happening, but that he will be with us in the midst of the bad things and will see us through. For Christians, one of the greatest comforting factors is to know that whatever trial or tribulation that you're going to go through in your life, and we're all going to have them at some time or other, you don't have to go through it alone. That is God's promise to us. God does not steer us around problems in life, but he sits very close to us as we make our way through them. Looking back, many of you could imagine or have been through a tough time in your life. and I've heard many people say, I don't think I could have ever gotten through that without God. God's presence was what helped me get through that terrible time, whether it was the, the death of a child or a divorce or losing a job, whatever it was. It was was the fact that God was with me that gave me the strength to go through that and to survive. God offers minimum protection, maximum support. That's why we read the words of Psalm 139, which says, where could I ever go that God wouldn't be with me? The highest of the highs, the lowest of the lows, the farthest away, There's no place that I can ever go in my life where God is not right there beside me, holding my hand, helping me get through. That's a great comfort to know that. I heard a story about a lady named Ruth who was at the end of her life, the very, very end, her last day. And she was in the hospital, and her husband of 50 years was standing by her side, She tried to say something. She tried to speak. She said what sounded like, Yay. Yay. He leaned down close. He didn't want to fail her. What is it, Ruth? What are you saying? And she just could barely whisper, Yay, though I walk. She was remembering Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. She was getting ready to walk through that valley, that valley of the shadow of death. And she knew that as she walked through that valley, she would have our Lord holding her hand as she made that journey.
0: join me in the prayer of thanksgiving. Oh God, thank you for your steadfast love. We offer our praise. May it reach to the ends of the earth. We ask that our gifts empower ministry in this place and wherever our influence can reach. Let unbelief be turned to faith, ignorance to knowledge, sickness to health, brokenness to wholeness, both in us and in our neighbors near and far. Guide us as we seek to invest our best for the sake of Christ. Amen.
2: Brothers and sisters, as you go forth from this place, remember that you leave as representatives and ambassadors of our Lord Jesus Christ. So live your life this week in such a way that wherever you are, when people see you, they'll see Christ living in you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and always hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. Go in peace.